How are you already so good at that? I don't know. <laughs> Winston just bought a harmonica earlier today, and he's already shredding it. <laughs> um. Anyways, hey everybody, welcome to That Which Is Hidden. I'm Austin. And I'm Winston. And today we're going to be talking about portals. Now you're thinking with portals. <laughs> <laughs> Now you're thinking with portals. What is our dog doing? <laughs> she's digging just, a portal. She's digging a portal. Carpet. She knows. Yeah. She's opening a portal. She is. Okay, Gertie's Gertie has opened the way. <laughs> So, okay, so so this is a concept in magic, right? The idea of you have to open the gate into the other world. You have to prepare, um, like, people talk about the concept of going down to the crossroads and making a deal with the devil. Uh, this comes out of, in Yoruba tradition and voodoo tradition uh, from West Africa, Papa Legba is one of the, the voodoo loa, and he is the guardian of the threshold he is the old man at the crossroads who opens the way for you and so in in voodoo they say hey papa legba ouvre barrière pour moi open the gate for me um there's a similar tradition in hinduism uh ganesh is the scribe of the gods uh, sort of like thoth we talked about in egyptian mythology ganesh is the first god that you call on when you're uh, performing a ritual, um, when you're performing puja, when any sort of magical working in the Hindu tradition, you're supposed to call upon Ganesh first. There's this common theme of the the guardian of the threshold, who you have to appease in some way in order to pass into the other world. There's a lot of gatekeeper archetypes and um, even the so-called keepers of knowledge kind of position themselves as gatekeepers. Right. Um, and you see gates in ancient archaeology that are very interesting, like the... Uh, Physical gates, the you star mean? gates, you know, in Peru, and... Um, Wait, the, what, are, what are the star gates? There's all these beautiful gates carved out of the rock in Peru, and I'm sure other places in South America, like Colombia and... Well, a lot of places. Yeah. Um, anywhere they've had, you know, the, the kind of otherworldly strange presence that Graham Hancock and Daniel Pinchbeck like to talk about. Mm -hmm. um, and others. Uh, ancient alien type shit. Ancient alien type shit. When I was in Cusco, I got to spend some time at a place called, they called it Temple of the Moon. Um, there's another Temple of the Moon in Peru that's bigger, but this one's like a lesser known... Um, but very, very cool site. You told me about this, and they have. You said they had like an elephant statue. There were so many things about this place <laughs> that I, I could I could go on about it for a while. So right outside of it, there was one of these Incan stargates, or maybe even pre-Incan. And what they are is they're like a window cut out of the rock, and when you sit in it, and the sunlight hits it at a certain angle, 
um, people claim they can feel a powerful energy coming out of the gate. Wow. But also at night, especially on very special nights, sitting inside of the gate, I mean, supposedly, you know, people use them to, like, astral project far out into the cosmos. Right. And so I got to drink San Pedro on a special night at Temple of the Moon. Oh, um, shit. Temple of the Moon is the old sacrificial site where they used to... Uh, they used to slaughter animals and people too, and they would uh, the the blood would drip off of the altar that's inside of the cave. There's okay, Temple of the Moon is a cave. Okay, it's a big cave. You walk inside of the cave, and there's an altar, and there's a blood groove in the floor that then runs into a tunnel that goes into the mountain and then flows into a temple in Cusco. Holy so the blood shit. runs all the way down the mountain. That's some Temple of Doom shit. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> and so there's a little crevice next to the altar, and uh, people used to try to, to slip through because they thought they would find treasure inside oh. inside the cave. But what's amazing is people get through, but they can't get back out. It's it's weird. It's like it's like a, you can, it's a one-way. So they go down into the tunnels, and there's gold inside the mountain. And it secretes ammonia into the atmosphere. So all these explorers, Western explorers, went in there, found gold, came out carrying it, and then the ammonia in their bloodstream caused the oxygen to turn to poison. So they dropped dead the moment they walked out of the tunnels. Holy shit. They, wa- they walked out of the tunnels carrying gold and instantly dropped dead. That's sort of like like all the stories of like what like receiving a gift from the fairy kingdom. It's like a poison gift. Yeah, it's like yeah. like they'll give you gold, but it like turns into nothing by the time the sun rises or you die or something yeah that's crazy i, I bet they laughed pretty hard the the inca um <laughs> so i speaking of portals we went there on this very special night when there, there's a there's an opening in the ceiling mm-hmm. and when the moon is just right the moonlight cascades into the cave filling the cave with moonlight wow and they say it's a special thing because there's special alignments that have to happen and it only happens once a year so we got to do that while we were high on mescaline and it was amazing um i i i also know that there are other big gates in peru that people go and visit but you know it's it's the kind of thing that you see all around the world um it's one of those universal symbols right uh, and every everybody has them it i mean it might be a feature of architecture but consider that that maybe as a necessary feature of architecture it could be part of the architecture of our universe as well right yeah this this idea of walking from one world into the other i mean humans do that every day and don't even think about it we have built portals we've built doors and gateways um, from passing from like the natural world into our little artificial world you know every time we walk inside our house we're passing through the gate in a sense and every time we fire the uh, Large Hadron Collider, we're opening <laughs> a gate. <laughs> Turn it off. No. I have to see more. Feel more. Turn it off. So... Back to the idea of gates. Um, the, one of my main theories about art and music is that it is explicitly magical, right? Like 
people talk about great art, great music uh, opens a gateway into another world. I think that's that's not a coincidence. Um, the origins of music, from what we know, you know, the first music was like drums and the human voice. And we talked in the last episode about the power of the human voice in magic, that there's something about the idea of language and the actual vibration of our voice that sort of casts a spell in a sense. Um, I think drumming is like the rhythm is the other most powerful component because so the old shamanic idea of drumming is that the shaman and sometimes the shaman's assistant as well would drum and the shaman would enter a trance uh, I read a really interesting book by Mickey Hart from one of the drummers from the Grateful Dead about the shamanic history of drumming. And yeah, he talked about this idea that the the shaman rides the drumbeat like a horse into these other worlds. And he used that in playing with the Grateful Dead. He really latched onto that idea. And so when they have their, their there was uh, this one jam they do, the drums and space jam, which is usually like a... It's like a 20-minute drum solo where he and the other drummer uh, would sort of trade off, and he Mickey Hart goes around, and he, he, um, he's he got this one giant drum he called the Beast, just like make these really low vibrations get really deep and out there. And, and you know, at a Grateful Dead show, everybody's tripping acid or something anyways, so he was really facilitating this shamanic journey into the other worlds. That can take a variety of forms at concerts, too. Uh, I, I saw a video earlier today of an ACDC concert yeah. where he jumps up onto a giant bell and starts swinging oh, back and yeah, forth yeah, and yeah. ringing it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Just For, uh, dramatic like the intro stuff. to Hell's Bells or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and they always have amazing projection mapping, you know, just people in general have great projection mapping at shows. Um, and I, I feel like that's a, that's a portal. Right. The, the, those geometries that they're always throwing up and stuff, it's for right. people to look at and then get further into the experience. Oh, yeah. And we use all these things, visual, sensory, um, and chemical vehicles to rise upward toward our experience that we're wanting to have. Um, and I, I think, in a way, gates are vehicles. They're mm -hmm. kind of like uh, ways of us you know, getting from one place to another quickly. Um <clears throat> like the, the gate in an airport. Right, right. Um, but then there's also the idea of gates as this, like, disputed territory between worlds. Right, it's a liminal space. Yeah. It's the in-between space. And in the tradition where I learned a lot of my fundamentals, we had this very wacky belief system, and I'm not sure how much of it was real or credible, you know, but a lot of it felt pretty real, where they said that a lot of like bad energy and demonic activity and paranormal activity was coming from uh, high-powered elemental gates in the fabric of reality that mm -hmm. were positioned uh, with the geography of the land. So if you found certain places, you could look at them from Google Maps and go like, oh, well, I see this body of water here, and I see, okay, you know, the way that the land is shaped, like this could be a gate right here. Right. And then what we would do is we would go out and we would check it out and somebody who was who was like had authority in the group would determine okay this is 
a gate and this is what we needed to do with it and then we would close gates and it was this complicated process um, but you know the, the claim was that if we healed the land and restored the elemental connection there then the problems would subside uh, so going out for a walk in the woods sometimes I'll run into a place that just has this powerful vibe coming from it yeah and often energy you can you can feel it yeah and i'll look for usually what i look for is two trees about six to ten feet apart um of the same uh of the same species Mm -hmm. overlooking a body of water a reflective pool Mm -hmm. and um usually the body of water is on the other side of the gate and so if you recognize it and you you lock in energetically with it and you step through it, then you get this peculiar feeling that you step through a membrane and you're on the other side of something. And then usually the impulse is to turn around and run back yeah. <laughs> because you're like, shit, I don't know what I'm doing. But uh, what I started doing was just walking through and then just keep walking. Right. And see what happens in my life. Yeah. It's like you're you're being given an opportunity to pass through into it's like an initiatory experience crossing this threshold like jumping the fire or yeah yeah, any initiatory experience feels like you're passing through a gate so in in carlos castaneda um his books he talks about in his initiations with don juan matis uh who he describes as like a, a yaki sorcerer in mexico um he talks about in psychedelic experience when he would do peyote or do mushrooms or, you know, try different um, psychoactive herbs that and plants that he used in his tradition. That there was this this guardian again, this the the dweller at the threshold who you had to overcome. And he said each time it might be different, but you would know it when you saw it. And he he describes this experience where I think they were doing mushrooms and he says uh, his whole worldview shifted and he felt suddenly everything was turned 90 degrees and he saw this giant monstrous creature with giant eyes and wings like staring at him and uh, had this really sort of terrifying intense encounter and then he woke he sort of came to a little more and realized he was on the ground looking at a fly (laughs) <laughs> and and that this fly had just become giant and monstrous to him and it was this this terrifying guardian creature but his uh yeah his teacher tells him like oh you know <laughs> you, you met the guardian and this time for you it was a fly on the floor <laughs> like, yeah i think that's there's a lot to learn from that when i uh did a san pedro ceremony there was this fly that would not stop bothering me he was a large horsefly big mm-hmm you know um and he was flying around the maloka in circles and kept landing on me and kept disturbing my experience so i had to just let him and he crawled onto my lips and he just sat there <laughs> it was so it, it was a test and i was so determined to pass that test that i kind of became friends with him and i was sad when he left yeah so going back to the theme of portals, um, one of the common themes in magical traditions is when you are 
creating a magical space for yourself to do rituals in. Uh, you cast a magical circle around the space, right? Um, some form, it's sort of like a protective shield. You're saying like, this is sacred space that I'm using um, and sort of banishing negative energy from that space. And oftentimes then you pass through a, a gateway that you create for yourself. You, you open the sides of the magical circle, step into it, close it behind you. So you're in this liminal space where magic can happen. Some people imagine it like a bubble. Other mm -hmm. people imagine it as a column going all the way up and all the way down. Oh. Um, I imagine it as a column. Yeah. I think that's a good like visual. But sometimes it's helpful to imagine it as a bubble mm -hmm. because I feel like that's what I kind of, I think of it as like a, I'm creating a sphere around myself sort of. Well, in the ritual working space, one of my primary areas of confusion is, uh, Am I covered from above or not? Right. Like, do do I need to be sealing off and gritting the area above and below me? Or should I just be working on the world around me? It sort of depends on what you're trying to do, I think. If, if you're trying to get in touch with, like, uh, higher dimensions, you know, the, the realm of the gods, then you might want to leave that open so you can sort of, you know reach up to the celestial beings uh, or if you're trying to go below and work with the sort of dark forces that we associate with the underworld the animal powers then you might want to leave the the bottom open so that you can draw up energy from there i think what the circle seeks to do is establish a mandala mm. like of the magical workers self higher self and then everything outside the circle represents out like outer darkness. A mandala, I guess, is just a map of the cosmos um, with a single point at the center that you can focus on. Uh, Jung said it was a map of the self. Mm. And I, I feel like navigating the self is a lot like navigating the cosmos. And right. it's really indistinguishable. It's the microcosm and the macrocosm. Like, yeah. the, the body is a map of the universe. That's what... When they say that humans are, are made in the image of the gods, um, when people talk about the chakras, you know, like the, the different power centers in the body, that that's, again, sort of like corresponds with the dimensions, the universe. I think media in general has posed a significant spiritual threat to us sometimes, like the misuse of media. Mm-hmm because we're constantly exposed to it now. We have screens. And like I was saying with the concert, screens invite consciousness inward. And screens are portals. They're portals. Yeah. And they we find ourselves rapidly transported to, you know, uh, a particular moment. And, you know, it poses a threat to our innocence, um, but not necessarily to our future if we can learn to navigate it. Well, it can be used for good and for evil, I think, right? Like you, I mean, you can use it in a positive way or a destructive way. Um, David Lynch, you know, is a big practitioner of transcendental meditation. And he talks about uh, in his films, he is trying to literally create this space that people can step into and be a part of this world for a while. If the picture's giant and the sound is beautiful, and the people are quiet 
and they get into this world. It's very, very delicate how you get into that world. It can be broken with the wrong sound, it can be broken with a stupid little screen, it can be broken with people making noises in the theater. It's so delicate, but if you get into that world, it can be like a dream. You're not only an observer, but you can get caught up in that world and it can become very real. So he's literally trying to create this other world for people to pass into. Um, but I think, like you're saying, it can be used destructively to, uh, I, I mean, advertising. You know, everybody hates watching fucking commercials on TV, YouTube, whatever. Um, they're using that this concept of you're stepping into this other world, this screen is a portal, and they're just trying to sell you something. They don't really like to talk about that. Right. <laughs> I, Advertising I, is, a, is a magical tool. Uh, I mean, we think of brands, you know, brands are like corporate sigils. Uh, a yeah. logo for a company is, it's the same concept as... Uh, you know, a magical symbol. They're associating themselves with this brand. It's an egregore. The the McDonald's arches or the Nike swoosh, you know, the apple. I mean, apple is, come on, like the, the apple of enlightenment. This is the, there's positive the garden of and, Eden. <laughs> there's positive and negative strategies in advertising, and the negative strategies resemble hexes. They're yeah. like, we're going to leave something on your doorstep and scare the shit out of you, and then you're going to do what we want you to do. <laughs> well, it's like making you feel like you're not enough unless you have this item, this thing that you can go buy that's going to solve everything. It's like, this is going to get you laid. You know, Eating this hamburger is going to fulfill your wildest dreams. Like, Buying these shoes will solve all your problems. So I think we're going to split this episode into two parts. We've been talking about the concept of portals or gates into other worlds. And in part two, we're going to be looking at the concepts of heaven and the underworld, the other realms that the magical practitioner might visit. So thank you guys for tuning in. Stay tuned for part two. We'll be back.